Good evening, this is Rob McClure and Vicki Iden bringing you your local news live from the WORT studios on Bedford Street in downtown Madison. Here are the headlines for this evening. Following his first State of the Union address, President Joe Biden flew to Superior, Wisconsin today. He used the backdrop of an aging bridge to promote the billions of dollars that will flow to communities to fix roads, bridges, and other infrastructure, according to a report by the Associated Press. The 60-year-old John A. Blatnick Memorial Bridge, which connects Wisconsin and Duluth, Minnesota, is too old and fragile to support large trucks and other heavy vehicles. This reduces economic activity and increases transportation costs. Significant new rehab construction is currently underway. Marquette University released new polling data on state political races today. 50% of voters have no opinion of gubernatorial candidate Rebecca Clayfish, who was lieutenant governor under former uh, former governor Scott Walker. Meanwhile, 62% of voters polled have no opinion of Mandela Barnes, who is running for a state senate seat in November. Although Clayfish and Barnes have much higher levels of support than their primary opponents, most of the voters are undecided. Senator Ron Johnson's poll ratings continue to wane. In the recent poll, 33% held a favorable favorable view, while 45% held an unfavorable view. Since the last poll in October, Johnson's favorable rating has fallen by 3%, while his unfavorable rating has increased by 3%. By contrast, the polling numbers for Governor Tony Evers improved over the last six months. 50% approve of the job he's doing, 41% disapprove. Last night, Madison City Council awarded $700,000 in federal relief dollars to organizations largely serving the Latino community over a competing proposal that would have broadened the population served by the funding, according to a report by the Capital Times. The council voted 14 to 6 to provide one-time grants to eight Madison nonprofits that provide assistance such as legal aid, transportation, rental assistance, and food security for undocumented residents. The funds for the effort will be paid from the American Rescue Plan Act. The ma- a majority of the groups recommended by city staff serve Latino immigrants living in the United States. A new committee on safety and wellness in schools was presented at Monday night's school board meeting, according to the Capital Times. Uh, East High uh, School's senior and proposed co-chair Gordon Allen said, quote, this committee will be dedicated to working directly on district-wide policies that center safety and wellness for all students. The proposed Safety and Student Wellness Ad Hoc Committee follows a few highly publicized incidents in the fall at district high schools, including fights at East High and a student with a handgun at La Follette. A report from the Green Bay Post-Gazette details how the change in categorizing racial identity on the census form resulted in more than a doubling of the count of indigenous people. The vast majority of indigenous people in Wisconsin identify as having more than one ancestry. Often multiracial identities or ethnicities, such as Hispanic, excluded the indigenous ancestry. A correct count is important because those figures are used in determining federal funding for communities and services. A push by tribal and federal officials to encourage participation in the 2020 U.S. Census resulted in what tribes describe as the most accurate picture to date of the size and diversity of the people with indigenous ancestry in Wisconsin. Combined with improvements to the census itself, that effort more than doubled the number of people reporting they were indigenous combined with another race, such as white or black up 165% in Wisconsin from 2010 to 2020. While the reporting became more accurate during the 2020 census, uh, Newthill said a lot of information wasn't accurately collected because of the pandemic, such as household incomes, poverty rates, and education levels. And those were the local news headlines for this evening. This news is local and independent of commercial influence, and it only stays that way, as you may know, because you, the listeners, support this station. So we're going to hand the microphones over to Jade, Isiri Ramos, and Andy Moore to see what else they have to say about the nature of community radio. 
Hey, thank you, Rob. How's it going, Andy? It's going great, Jade. I think people should know, people listening should know that you, this is your second hour. They already know that. You've, oh, yeah. You've, you've been here for an hour. <laughs> but the point is, she's. this is volunteers. These are volunteers. We are volunteers. And now it's your turn to volunteer. And you can do that so easily. Mm-hmm. You don't even have to get in your car and come down to the studio, although it's kind of exciting down here now that we can be back in this space. Yes. But you, it's your turn to volunteer. Yeah, you can do that by just picking up your phone. That's 608-256-2001, extension 1, or going online. That's super easy. Uh, the website is wortfm.org. And you just find the button that says donate you can click that put in your credit card information and we will take it from there we're looking to get one new or increasing evergreen that's uh, already a monthly uh, donor um uh, among the pledges uh, in this hour i hope we get two or i hope we get more but i want to i really want to try to encourage you to if you haven't ever vol- uh, if you haven't ever volunteered you should learn about that too <laughs> but if you've never pledged to wrt now is the best time to do it and and uh, and and there's no accident that we're excited to be pledging the quality news coverage that wrt fm provides every single day Absolutely. And if you are someone who listens to the local news, you you know, probably have your favorite weekday. You know, there's a we're we're a mighty team of volunteers and so every day is a new group uh, with a few, you know, our our staff that that hold it all together, but new volunteers. So if you're, you know, a big fan of Rob and Vicky, like I am personally, and you think that Wednesdays are the best news day, now's your time to tell us. Just get on the phone, call us 608-256-2001. I have KJ just waiting in the back for that phone call. Um, and we are ready to hear from you. You know, Wednesdays are the best day, I've got to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> well, every day is quality journalism, but Wednesday is the day that we're that we're uh, that we're focused on and that we're and that we're um we're, we're glad that you're going to to join in uh, 256-2001 608-256-2001 we're going to talk about some of the pledge premiums i don't think that got uh, very much attention last mm-hmm. hour um people were busy um t- getting pledges uh-huh. in but uh, there are some fantastic premiums so i'll just tease that fact and in our next break we're going to give you some more specifics about that yeah if i could get at least two people to call before that next pledge break and um, we also we've got kj in the back so they can walk you through what some of those premiums are and if you go online you can see them all too so um if a couple of you could check that out before we go to our next pledge break that'd be super helpful we've got some good stuff coming up in breaking news tonight a lot of stuff is happening here wrt fm um is unique in as much as it, it provides, as you just heard, BBC News, World News, um, national headlines, but also quality local coverage. I listen to WRTFM because of music, because I'm a music fanatic, but I'm also a career news professional mm-hmm. um, in public media myself, and and I come here on Wednesday nights. I tune in on Wednesday nights um, and on most nights to hear that combination of of the deep dive local news coverage, state capital news mm-hmm. coverage, national headlines. And um, as Rob, I think, mentioned um, earlier, this is, uh, there's, no, there's no commercial push for anything but the truth here. Yeah. And we, we can only make it happen with your dollars, right? We are a team of mostly volunteers, um, but volunteer work does not turn the lights on. It does not keep the mics hot. It does not pay for the few people who do work here and are employed and do so much with the, the little resources we, we you know hand out to them. And you know, BBC isn't free. BBC is um, not free. They don't just say, we like you. Here's BBC News every day. Uh, yeah. No, these are costly items. Things that we ask you to help us pay for to keep this quality news coverage coming to you night after night. You can uh, go online. Uh, what is that? It's wrtfm.org. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, or you can call at 608-256-2001. Uh, we've got phone phone callers. You can pay now. You can pay later. Uh, whatever works for you. But if you can find just a little bit of wiggle room in that budget and you want to say, you know, Wednesday local news, it's it's the best local news, that's, that's what we want to hear. And you can do that right away. Um, we're only in, to about 30 seconds left. Uh, and then Jade and I will 
clear clear the decks for for uh, for further news coverage. But we really want you to get this hour off to a great start. Let this newscast know it matters. It matters to you by calling 608-256-2001. All right. Here we go. Back to the news. Earlier this week, the state Supreme Court held a public hearing in order to decide if conservation groups should be allowed access to private phone records between a public official and a private business group. The open records request caused a heated debate between the judges, with some calling it a, quote, fishing expedition, end quote. WORT reporter Nate Weggehaupt has more. The case between former State Public Services Commission head Mike Hipsch and conservation groups stems from the construction of the Cardinal Hickory Creek power line. The 102-mile-long power line would run from Dane County into the state of Iowa. In late 2021, a judge ruled that the line could no longer be completed with its current route due to the line running through a national wildlife refuge on the Mississippi River. The line was originally approved by Hipsch in 2019, and conservation groups such as the Driftless Area Land Conservancy, a group that protects natural areas in Wisconsin, have fought against it since. Monday's hearing regards private phone records between Hipsch and the American Transmission Company, or ATC, the group that would be in charge of building the line. Hipsch is a former state GOP legislator and served as Speaker of the House from 2007 to 2009. In 2010, Hipsch was appointed as Secretary of the State Department of Administration by then-Governor Scott Walker. Jennifer Filipiak is the Executive Director of the Driftless Area Land Conservancy. She says that they have reason to believe that private communications between Hipsch and the ACT may have given bias to Hipsch's decision to approve the line. So what we're looking for is for the Supreme Court to say um, that basically we can have our day in court. We can actually explore these perceptions of bias. Um, you know, we've cited the hundreds of phone calls um, and the, the encrypted messaging system that he was using to discuss, well, we don't know what he was discussing um, with persons of interest. And so um, we, we wish to explore that. So that's what we were looking for. Filipiak says that the existence of hundreds of phone calls between Hipsch and ATC, as well as their use of an encrypted messaging service is cause for alarm. It's the appearance. We think there is very good evidence that there is an appearance of Commissioner Hips being biased in his decision to approve the transmission line. And so, you know, to, to prove that, you know, rather than just have perception, we want to prove that. And just like with any other court case, any other um, hearing that we want to try and prove our case and have our, have our day in court, we want to file discovery and, and ask him to turn over some of those communications so we can see if there was um, bias in that. Hipsch says, however, that there is nothing unprofessional about his communication with ATC officials and that what they said had nothing to do with the Cardinal Hickory Creek line. He says that the communication are simply chat between friends. Hipsch was represented Monday by Madison lawyer Ryan Welsh. Welsh says just because the conservation groups assume that there is bias does not mean that they should be able to search private phone records. Government officials, when they enter public service, they get to keep um, their personal relationships. They get to continue to have private lives. We, as we, we the people of Wisconsin, we the state, only require that they turn over public records, that they follow their obligations to keep evidence relevant to any lawsuit, and that they not have what are called improper ex-party conversations with people who have matters before them. Beyond that, any government official and any judge is free to have conversations with friends. They're able to do that, and no one has a right to see those documents. The court was divided in their opinions on the request. The court's three liberal judges said that it was against the regular procedure for the Supreme Court to hear Hipsch's case before it could be heard by a lower court. Conservative judges, however, said that the request was, in the words of Justice Brian Hagedorn, quote, a dramatic intrusion, end quote. Records can be made public under Wisconsin's open record laws, but weighing when to do that can be complicated. 
The records must exist, and there can be some privacy factors in deciding whether a records custodian releases it. The request itself must not be overly broad and must be in the public's best interest. The issue comes from the question of whether these private phone records are considered public records. Bill Luters is an editor of the Progressive Magazine and is president of the Wisconsin Freedom of Information Council, a group dedicated to protecting public access to government records. Luter says because the communication is between someone who was at the time a public official and a private group, conservation groups should have access to those records. Well, I would say that a communication between a public official and a private enterprise, by definition, should be a public record. Uh, there's no reason that a public official should be communicating with a private enterprise about something that concerns private officials function uh, with that not being a public record. It should be open and available to the public. I don't know that you would have a purely private conversation with someone under those circumstances. It would be a conversation related to your government function and therefore one that should be uh, open, uh, accessible through open records. The state Supreme Court is currently deliberating the case. Michael Hipsch could not be reached for comment by airtime. Reporting for WORT News, I'm Nate Wuggiehout. Last night, the Madison Common Council signed off on a plan to build a new library and community center on Madison's Far East Side. Our reporter Layla Ma has the story. The proposal is called the Imagination Center. It is a plan to create a 16,000-square-foot library and community center on Madison's Far East Side. Under the $60 million plan, the Imagination Center would not be an ordinary library. It would also be a safe place for social interaction, civil engagement, and cultural expression. The Imagination Center would be built at Rindle Park on the city's far east side. More recently, Rindle Park was home to several dozen unhoused residents of Madison. Those unhoused residents were forced by city officials to leave the park in December of last year. The idea for a new library and community space began in 2016 when the city conducted a study to find ways to grow the city's east side. The plan is to build the Imagination Center is entering into two-year planning phase to gather residents' opinion on the new center. Madison Elder, in supporting of Plan C, it will enrich local education and provide more study opportunities. Last night, the plan moved forward. Elder Sherry Carter says it would help an underserved community. The city's far east side has a large population of immigrants and people of color and has been historically underserved for library and meeting space access. The plan for the Imagination Center could complete the gap. I am going to support this. It's a long time coming. And if you've ever been in that area, you know there are no gathering spaces. To have a meeting, you would have to rent a banquet room at one of the hotels. You have East Town, but there's no place to gather and there's no library close by. This is an area who has really been waiting for this and we can no longer afford to kick the can. But not everyone was on the board with the plan, with seven elders voting against it. Some elders said that the library could cost more than they budgeted for over time, and they were concerned about potential future costs. As inflation and labor costs continue to raise, they say they are concerned the project could balloon out of control. Here's Madison elder Keith Foreman. When I first learned about this project, uh, the rough cost was somewhere around a million dollars a year. And now we're being told it will be co- it'll cost uh, at least $1.7 million a year. I know my colleagues have a long list of services I'd like to see throughout the city. Many would argue their lists are all needs as well. Everything from more cops, body cameras, increased bus service, more money for organizations, and, and more staff in many understaffed departments. I know we're not in a position this evening where we have to make a choice about where the funds for this uh, project, uh, to operate this project, comes from, but at least recognize that we're just simply not going to be able to afford to do everything we're already doing. I can't support a path that will obligate us to spend a a lot more and set the council up to have to make 
even more incredibly hard decisions about where to move funding from. Ultimately, with last night's vote, the plan will continue to move forward. The library and city's engineering and parks divisions will share their pre-design and more information at an online public meeting at 6 p.m. on Thursday. The city plans to begin construction on project in early 2023 and anticipate opening the facility by the end of 2024. Reporting for WORT News, Emily Lama. It's now 6:26 p.m. and you're listening to the live local news on WORT. We turn now to two special guests in the studio, Jade and Andy, who want to tell you something about the WORT Winter Pledge Drive. Hey, thanks, Vicky, and also thanks to another Vicky. You know,、uh, same same first name. Vicky, let me ring the bell because she. Donated to our station. It's not not her first time, which we love a first time, but we especially love someone who has supported us before and says, "You know what? That money did good. I'm going to do it again." So thanks, Vicky. It's all good, isn't it? It's all good. First time, second time, third time. Repeat、uh, and rinse. Just keep it going. Keep、uh, keep our keep our phone answer KJ busy. Let's get her. Let's get them on、uh, on the lines and 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 keep those calls coming in.、Um, you're here on Wednesday night because what you're just what you're hearing. You heard Nate's report on Open Records. This is、uh, important, in depth、um, uh, news coverage that you're receiving on this Wednesday night. You heard Layla's story on the new community、uh, center construction, and、uh, that's. Why you're here,、um, and we don't we don't have to remind you that 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 the journalism here is a big part of、uh, your successful day, and we want you to help us help you with that, so that Nate and Layla can continue to bring you these kinds of field stories, stories like you just heard. You can do that at six zero eight two five six two zero zero one or w o r t f m dot o r g. Yeah, we've got some.、Uh Got some premiums that we we promised. We teased last break that we would tell you about some of these premiums. I'm seeing a beautiful green bag. Have you、oh, seen I this? I was hoping I could talk about that. Oh well, why don't you I, do I, it? I, I, it's, it's freaking <laughs> me out. It, it, I wish you could see the picture. So I'll just describe it using some of the words here on the sheet. If you traveled in the '60s, you saw flight attendants, crews, and select. Passengers carrying a real status symbol, and it's that beautiful retro flight bag with the one strap and the little pocket for your pen and papers, with with a gorgeous global W O R T F M logo on it, and it's a, a real cool lime green. It looks like it came right out of 1967 from an overhead bin on a TWA flight. It is beautiful, but I've got to stop you because I just saw on our web ple- pledges that we got a new donor. A new donor, first time! Yay! <laughs> so thank you so much, Selu. You are amazing.、Uh, thanks for making this happen for us, and and congratulations to us and to you, first time donors.、Uh, I hope you get something good with that little、um, with your. Your donation. That's super exciting.、Um, this is a relationship, and now、um, we we have a new relationship,、um, and it's called the community radio. So some of these words just go together so obviously, but there's a reason for that.、Um, we're in this together. We can't do it without you, and we like to think that the kind of journalism you're getting on this Wednesday night is the kind of news that you really can't live without. Absolutely. Six zero eight two five six two zero zero one, or go to wortfm dot org. There are other cool、uh, premiums.、Um, there's the travel mug、um, at a sixty dollar level, beautiful、um, WRT travel mug. There's a forty five dollar premium that's really cool. That's the Progressive Magazine twelve、oh, month、yes. subscription. I think we'd like to give that a big shout out on a news night pledge. So for forty five dollars, a twelve month pres- a subscription to Progressive Magazine, plus you've got this beautiful relationship with WRT. All right. We also we've got、um, got to say that we have a bumper sticker, which is、uh, what Selu got. So if you want to be driving your car, have a W O R T bumper sticker. I know I have one on my car, and I think whenever I see someone with theirs, I feel like we have got a little bit of a you know family connection there. So six zero eight two five six two zero zero one extension one. We are going to head back to the news in just a few seconds. Make that call. Become a new donor. 
632 is the time now, and you're listening to the live local news on WORT 89.9 FM in Madison. I'm Rob McClure here with my co-host, Vicki Iden. Thanks for staying with us for the second half of the news. The leader of a partisan review of Wisconsin's November 2020 election says the probe isn't over yet. Michael Gableman issued an interim report in a legislative committee meeting Tuesday, during which he urged lawmakers to decertify the state's presidential election results. Jonah Chester from the Wisconsin News Connection has more. The leader of a partisan probe into Wisconsin's November 2020 election says lawmakers should consider decertifying the state's presidential election results. Former Wisconsin Supreme Court Justice Michael Gableman issued an interim report Tuesday and said he intends to continue the investigation, which has twice had its deadline extended. The review has been criticized by some Republicans, Democrats, and voting rights groups who argue it undermines the state's electoral process. Speaking before a legislative committee, Gableman argued the probe is an effort to ensure the election was conducted fairly. When I started this process, when I started this whole procedure, I had no other goal in mind than to find the truth. And while we don't have it entirely yet, we're getting there. Despite Gableman's testimony, his report notes that its purpose, quote, is not to challenge certification of the presidential election, unquote, although it outlines how that might be done. According to Associated Press reports, nonpartisan legislative attorneys have said overturning those results is illegal, and Republican legislative leaders are against the move. Among other things, the investigation alleges private election grants given to Wisconsin's largest cities were illegal, that the state mishandled voting in nursing homes, and that absentee ballot drop boxes violate state law. Gableman also calls for dissolving the bipartisan Wisconsin Elections Commission, which has been a major policy item for some Republican lawmakers in recent months. The Wisconsin Elections Commission, unfortunately, at best, is hopelessly incompetent. Several bills closely mirroring the report's recommendations passed in the legislature last month, but Governor Tony Evers is all but certain to veto them. Evers' GOP challengers in this year's gubernatorial race have made election administration a cornerstone of their platforms and would likely be more receptive to the proposals should they be reintroduced. For the Wisconsin News Connection, I'm Jonah Chester. Support for this reporting was provided by the Carnegie Corporation of New York. Find our eight trust indicators to support transparency and accuracy at publicnewsservice.org. It's now 6.35 p.m., and you're listening to the live local news on WORT. We turn now for a report from you and our pledge drive. What's the news, Jade, Jade and Andy? Well, Vicki, we are still just we just have the two pledges for this hour still. So I've got Vicki and I've got Selu. And the good news is we're 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 halfway. We're we're, we're just halfway into the newscast. A, mm. a great newscast, by the way. That report on Michael Gableman um, and the long-awaited um, uh, results of, of the um, election um, uh, uh, investigations, um, such as uh, uh, was reported. Another perfect example of the kind of in-depth coverage that you're getting on Wednesday nights and and every night at WRT. But we 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 got about 25 more minutes of news. But we need you to call right now to let us know that you want to be a part with there's one yes i shouldn't act surprised i know we have a donor from anonymous it's like you spoke it into the universe <laughs> uh we've got a new donor and we all right um the comment is uh oh it's a challenge from this anonymous donor saying hey near east siders support the station that we all listen to the most w-o-r-t the pressure is on Rutledge Street, Winnebago, <laughs> Atwood, East Johnson, East Johnson, <laughs> Baldwin Street. It's, it, think of the senators, Baldwin and Johnson Streets. <laughs> the, the, the corner of Baldwin and Johnson always cracks me up. All right, um, answer that challenge, Eastsiders. Oh, that 608 extension one. Um, or you can go online. That happens really fast. Uh, WORTFM.org and support this award winning news station. Let's just give another shout out to that challenge. That is very cool. And it's a near east side challenge. But if you're on the near west side challenge, um, 
it's a challenge for you too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I live consider in, yourself challenged. <laughs> I live in Monona. Come on, Monona, Mononites. Yeah. Let's let's uh, beat Fitchburg, those insiders. Pony up. Uh, <laughs> heck, if you're online in Knoxville, Tennessee, we want to hear from you. This is an award-winning news operation. I, I the, lots of news organizations don't do a, a good enough job, in my opinion, tooting their own horn. Um, and I'm going to toot it for them. In 2021, WRT won five awards at the Milwaukee Press Club. The Milwaukee Press Club is the oldest continuously running press organization in North America. It's, for my money, the most prestigious journalism competition in the state. It means a lot. They won five, including best writing in an audio story, best long, hard news audio feature. Friends, this is against operations with far more Mm -hmm, budget mm -hmm. and far larger staff. Uh, This is award-winning news, and we need to keep it on the air with your help, 608-256-2001 or wrtfm.org. Yeah, we've got KJ on the phones just waiting for your call. Uh, They're back there, you know, running things up when when they come in. Or you can go online. You don't have to even turn your radio off for that. Uh, W-O-R-T-F-M dot O-R-G. And you know what we've got coming up? One of my favorite things about Wednesdays, we've got the weather. And I don't know about you, but the weather lately has been making me pretty happy. I'm a big uh, fan of going out and cleaning out my storm drains, so I'm really looking forward to hearing... Spoken like someone who grew up in the Northwest. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I I mean, rain all day, any day. Um, I hear we're getting a thunderstorm. I think that's what Rob said. I'm really looking forward to hearing that in depth. The sounds of spring. The sounds of spring. Well, weather and news. This is substantive content. Um, This is coverage you just... Don't find, no matter where you you, you, you dial the radio. It's it's not easily found. And this is uh, all of the news awards, all of the award-winning coverage that you get on WRT-FM comes through the hard work of of the news staff here. and fact-based news coverage is needed now more mm-hmm, than ever. Mm-hmm, um, so mm-hmm. there's uh, that we use the word premium to talk about a travel mug. Truth in the storytelling and and fact-based reporting is it shouldn't be a premium, but it is, and you get it right here at WRTFM. You go call right now, 608-256-2001, extension 1, or go online to wortfm.org, which is also where you can find um, the newscast when it, when it uh, is finished. So we'll head over to Rob right now, and he's going to tell us what we can expect with this weather. And it's time now for the most comprehensive weather report on the airwaves with WORT weather guru, Rob McClure. Well, one perennial shift towards spring has now occurred. Speaking of sounds of spring, over the past few days, the red-winged blackbirds have returned to the area. You may have caught that. Early March seems to be kind of a favored time for them to come back, provided that snow cover isn't too deep and they can get a little bit of a boost from a period of southerly winds like we've had. So if you haven't seen one or heard one yet, you are likely to by Saturday when southerly winds are really going to ramp up, possibly even sending a noticeable warm front through the area that day as they curl leftward into a significant low pressure circulation that... It now appears we'll be passing to our west and north mid-weekend. That track had been slightly south of us, appearing to be slightly south of us, back on the models on Monday. But the gradual evolution of that storm track another 100 miles northwest on the models over the past couple of days means we may actually warm enough late Saturday to pop our first thunderstorm of the year. And the Storm Prediction Center's Day 4 outlook even has a marginal severe threat approaching us late that day, as close by as Grant and Crawford counties anyway. You can see the upper-level manifestation of this coming storm on the water vapor image of North America that we have linked up on the water uh, on the WORT weather webpage this evening. Uh, you can see it there in the form of a narrow but well-formed upper trough off the California coast, depending southwestward into the Pacific Ocean from a region of colder air that's up over northern British Columbia. 
as the pit of that trough cuts off and swirls ashore over Southern California and the Western Mountains later Friday, it will lift a fairly vigorous surface low pressure cell into into, uh, existence over western Kansas, and that circulation will deepen and head uh, northeastward towards about Minneapolis uh, Saturday night and then maybe Escanaba or Sault Ste. Marie by Sunday morning, at least the way the modeling is appearing at the moment. That should veer winds fully south Saturday instead of uh, southeasterly as it was looking earlier. And with our snow cover now well eroded by a warmer past couple of days than we were anticipating, it's possible that we could jump past 60 degrees as the warm front pushes uh, north of us later in the afternoon. And with the warm sector getting a slightly better grip on the area in general, and the low-pressure center with its convergence and lift passes further to the northwest, it's also possible that the rains may be a little more scattered during this warm air advection phase of the storm on Saturday than they were looking earlier. The approach and passage of the cold front on Saturday evening should in any case bring a fairly good period of rain at that point, and it's certainly possible... Uh, especially if the high end of the temperature and dew point predictions for later Saturday bear out, and those would uh, currently be low 60s and upper 50s respectively, at least on the global forecast systems model. If that all comes together, we may get a thunderstorm or two at the front end of that precipitation in the early evening. Upward-directed potential energy looks fairly modest that evening, but strong vertical wind shear and some directional shear in the lowest mile above ground level could promote some uh, transient strengthening and organization to those storms, along with the brisk forward speeds to the north-northeast, so watch out for them when they get going. We'll uh, turn somewhat cooler than on Sunday behind the cold front, but a follow-on wave uh, trekking along the boundary down in Illinois Sunday into Monday will grab a much colder dose of air out of Canada, which will it will bring down and then uh, keep over us for much of the following week. But back to tonight, the skies will see some thinning of cloud cover going forward, and northerly winds at 8 to 12 miles per hour behind the cold front that passed a few hours ago will drop temperatures pretty steadily from here forward, down through the 30s and 20s, maybe to the upper teens or so by dawn tomorrow. Tomorrow, a weak upper wave passing to our southwest will continue to throw a fairly good bit of mid and high clouds over us through the day, especially to our south and west. Uh, Perhaps some clearing later on in the day, though. Temperatures will recover to around 30 or so on veering northeasterly winds up at 48 miles per hour. Clouds will uh, thicken more overnight, and uh, temperatures will hold in the mid-20s on lighter easterly winds, which will veer southeast by Friday morning. And Friday, increasing southeasterly winds will take us up to about 40 degrees or so, but skies will remain largely cloudy with some increased thickening downward as well as we get later in the day. Temperatures will hold in the low to mid-30s during the overnight on active southeasterly winds. I think the temperatures might start to come up a little bit as we get towards Saturday morning. And uh, we may see some drizzle or light rain as we get on towards dawn Saturday, and that may stay in the area through a part of the day. Saturday is a kind of a tough call in terms of precipitation. I think it'll be spotty and kind of episodic much of the day. Uh, otherwise, though, the cl- uh, skies will stay mostly cloudy with veering uh, southerly winds increasing to 10 to 15 miles per hour. The temperatures will climb up to the lower mid-50s, possibly jumping then towards 60 or better if we can get some lifting or breaking of the cloud cover late in the afternoon. The dew points will also come up probably towards 50 or better, so it will feel like spring. Uh, If we get as warm as 60 or so, we are likely to see thunderstorms starting to race into the area from the south as we get on towards evening. Otherwise, just uh, mostly showers as we go into the evening, which will continue for a time overnight into Sunday. Temperatures will fall after midnight to the 40s for high temperatures on Sunday and what will be fairly gusty westerly winds that day. Down here at the station on Bedford Street just now, it's 39 degrees. The dew point temperature is 28. Winds are out of the north at 9 miles per hour. We've got a broken overcast at about 4,400 feet. The barometer's been rising fairly steadily. It's up to 30.05 inches of mercury. We go now to the end of February and early March 1967 for the conclusion of the tumultuous first protest against on-campus recruiting by the Dow Chemical Company.
Stu Levitan has the details from 55 years ago this week. They melt into a dream Madison in the 60s, late winter, 1967, Dow 1, The Skirmish, Part 2. As February turns to March, the campus is still consumed by the aftermath of the protests against job interviews being conducted by the napalm-making Dow Chemical Company, when hundreds occupied administrative offices in Bascom Hall and 19 persons were arrested during the action organized by Madison Students for a Democratic Society. On the 23rd, Chancellor Robin Fleming gives a prophetic warning, telling a press conference, quote, You'll have unrest on campus as long as the war goes on. That night, the city council unanimously adopts a resolution calling the demonstrations, quote, irresponsible and reprehensible, and calling for UW officials to take, quote, stringent measures against the demonstrators. The council also wants an investigation into whether two adult women who are active in the protest movement, Bortai Scudder, who was divorced with six children, and Leah Zeldin, a widow with four children, are receiving public assistance from Dane County. If some of these demonstrators learn the facts about these female pied pipers, says Westside Alder William Bradford Smith, they wouldn't be so eager to follow them. Friday morning, February 24th, the Daily Cardinal attacks Madison SDS for, quote, denying student rights and freedoms and engaging in, quote, vulgar, gross language and incoherent emotional babbling that left the editorialist, quote, appalled. The protesters have defeated their cause by their action. The paper continues, the protest for any effective purpose is finished. The liberal anti-war Capital Times agrees editorializing that, quote, because the students were disorderly, they have done damage to the peace movement all over the country. A little later, Governor Warren Knowles says the action was, quote, far beyond the area of reasonable conduct and calls on the university to, quote, lay down some strict disciplinary rules and enforce them. Later that day, a new group calling itself the We Want No Berkeley Here Committee holds a Bascom Hill rally to protest the protesters. About 800 brave the sub-zero temperatures to hear denunciations of the anti-war activists as unkempt, unwashed, and unrepresentative of the full student body. Then they pack the Bascom Hall Auditorium, by invitation, and give Fleming a standing ovation as he enters the room. This is the first time I haven't felt lonely in a crowd in days, he says to cheers and applause. No minority can dictate its views to the university, he declares. Sunday morning the 26th, about 20 members of the Committee for Direct Action, including Scudder and Zeldin, attend morning worship at the First Congregational Church on Breeze Terrace. They sit unobtrusively during the first half of the service, then rise and stand silently in the outside aisles bearing anti-war signs throughout the sermon. It's part of a recurring CDA action. On Monday the 27th, Fleming asks the placement officers in the three schools and departments which bore the brunt of the protests to report to Dean of Student Affairs Joseph Kaufman on the names of any students they feel should be disciplined and how serious that discipline should be. Fleming and Kaufman also ask the Wisconsin Student Association to investigate the role of Madison SDS in the protest and determine whether the group agrees to follow the rule against disrupting university activities. If SDS won't agree, they write, its registration as a student organization, quote, should be canceled. The political backlash that began with the disruption in October 1966 of the Stock Pavilion speech by Senator Ted Kennedy grows, with the co-chairs of the legislature's budget-writing Joint Finance Committee explicitly threatening to cut the university's budget over the episode. Let's be honest, says Senator Walter Hollandale, of Re Republican of Rosendale. If you feel unkindly toward them, they won't get as much money. 
and the criticism continues to spread as the state assembly votes 82 to 15 to demand that the university explain how it's maintaining, quote, a responsible intellectual and social climate following offensive articles in the Daily Cardinal. Assembly Speaker Harold Freilich, an arch-conservative from Appleton, says the brouhaha, quote, adds fire to my fight for higher out-of-state tuition. On March 2nd, the WSA Senate votes 19-11 to 11 to ban SDS from campus until at least next fall. WSA Senator Paul Soglin, who joined the Bascom Hall hallway occupation on February 22nd, argues and votes against the suspension, which Speaker Freilich applauds in a telegram to President Fred Harvey Harrington attacking the administration for not kicking SDS off campus, which Attorney General Bronson LaFollette says Harrington has the power to do. Your telegram astounds me, Harrington replies, calling the powerful legislature, quote, totally in error in his criticism. The WSA ban, which SDS president and mathematics PhD candidate Hank Haslick calls, quote, a childish act of blind retribution, and which the student court quickly overturns, greatly enhances SDS's popularity and triples its membership to about 300 almost overnight. On March 6th, Fleming issues Faculty Document 122, detailing that he will continue to use whatever force is necessary to ensure compliance with the Rule 11.02 forbidding obstruction of university activities. Given the traditions of this campus, he states, it is fair to assume that the faculty wants to preserve dissent but without anarchy, and that it wants order but without oppression and the faculty sides with the university's critics, tightening admission standards for out-of-state students and lowering their enrollment numbers. At a special meeting two days later, the faculty rejects 249 to 62, a motion by sociology professor Maurice Zeitlin to ban job interviews by, quote, corporations involved in producing war materials, and reaffirms the right of, quote, any bona fide employer to recruit on campus. Among those voting for the ban is the vilest professor of sociology and future chancellor, William Sewell. The faculty vote echoes an earlier one by the WSA Senate, 25 to 1 to continue the all-employer placement service. The regents commend the administration for its, quote, courageous, reasoned, and far-seeing actions exemplifying sifting and winnowing in the search for truth. In Midland, Michigan, Dow Company executives make plans for their return to campus in mid-October. Protesters do, too. And that's this week's Madison in the 60s. For your award-winning, vaccine-taking, mask-wearing, listener-supported WRT News team, I'm Stu Levitan. It's 6.55 in Madison, Wisconsin. You're listening to WRT-FM. Uh, my name is Andy Moore. I'm helping out with some pledge drives during this news shift. Uh, Stewart's report is a perfect example. If you were listening in on our last uh, pledge break, uh, Stu Levitan was just reporting on the Dow uh, riot some years ago. Um, his reporting was among the first place winners in the Milwaukee Press Club competition that we were talking about just in the last uh, uh, pledge break. This is award-winning news coverage coming to you, and we want you to help us bring it to you. We just have a few more minutes, barely a few more minutes, to get you on the phone at 608-256-2001 or online at wortfm.org. It's so easy either way. We've got actually a lot of people to thank right now. We've got a few minutes is all I can do. The paper over here. Oh, that's obnoxious. That is not good okay. radio. <laughs> Harriet. We want to thank Harriet so much uh, for, for her pledge uh, from Blue Mounds. Erin um, um, phoned from Madison. Erin, thank you so much for keeping this quality news coming on Wednesday nights. And we also have an anonymous from Madison pledging during this great newscast tonight. Amazing. We also just coming in as you were speaking, we have a uh, Sholly on the web who who has a note for us. Um, 
Basically, it's that she loves us. She loves hearing us. She loves hearing the news and everyone who makes it happen. Um, And she's excited to hear about Query coming up, which is the next show. Uh, One of the amazing things you get on Wednesdays. Uh, So thank you, Sholly, Anonymous, Aaron, and... Harriet. Harriet. And then we also, we've got Anonymous on the web. We've got Selu, and we have Vicky. Thank you all so much for donating during this hour. I think we blew our, our... goal out of the water right right I, I was hoping you'd say out of the water i don't think we blew it at all we did it um with, with your help we talked about relationships earlier too i really like that part yeah. of our of our chat tonight um and connecting with with you uh no matter where you're listening thank you so much for the pledges but we're, we're not going to like start talking in the past tense yet because we've got a couple of more minutes here and you can get in under the wire and keep this quality news going. I, the first uh, explanation of sanctions that, I, that really helped me understand what was happening um, and, and um, the, the, the war now war-torn Ukraine, um, it came over the airways from WRT-FM. Mm. This is the kind of place where you can count on getting the facts and the truth and the deep dive in news. Come on, make the phones ring, make the online buzz just one or two more times. Absolutely. And I have to say thank you so much, KJ Bersian. Uh, They have been running up and down, answering those phone calls. So thank you for being our uh, one and only uh, phone answer. I do know that I saw um, Adrian, who who works here, take a few phone calls too. So I know the staff's back and backing her up. And it's and it's running around. And 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 there there's a title that came in there, and it was phone answerer. Another title is volunteer, hmm. um, and and it, with a capital V. And and these are friends that are coming in and helping us, really rolling up their sleeves, just like you can do, just like you can do by 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 digging a little bit into your pocketbook and 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 letting the the station know that that this news and Wednesday night news matters to you. Let's please get one more call in here. 608-256-2001. And we, uh, the Wednesday team, you know, we uh, are small and mighty and we appreciate your support. If you love Wednesday news, right now is the time to say it, to make that call, to, you know, pledge your support, pledge your love. Um, You know, we here at the station love you and we especially love when you uh, open your pocketbooks for us just a little bit. We, we, we love you for your money. We, we want to be honest <laughs> about that. But we, we love you for you, too. Um, so so we, uh, we, we've, we've really enjoyed this last hour. At least I yeah, have. All and right. Thank you so much for your calls. Uh, back to Vicki and Rob. And thanks for listening to WRT's Live Local News at 6. And thanks especially to those of you who pledged. Your reporter tonight was Layla Ma. Thanks to Jonah Chester with the Wisconsin News Service and our feature contributor, Stu Levitan. Thanks to Jade and Andy for going to bat for us this evening. Chuck Kateman was our engineer this evening. Nate Weggehaupt produced the newscast. And Sholly Pittman is the news director at WRT. And I'm your host, Vicki Iden. Along here with Rob McClure, of course. Thank you to all of you who called in your pledge of support this hour. You make it happen. Up next is Query. Have a good night. <laughs>